Hello, everybody, and welcome to the inaugural Beyond the Roll. Hi, everybody. <laughs> We're slightly better than the first episode. <laughs> we, we got one person participating. Hello. <laughs> yeah, not even your character voice. Off to a banging start. <laughs> Leave it to Zach. Yeah, don't worry, Joe. No need to say anything. <laughs> All right, well... <laughs> So yeah, this is Beyond the Roll. This is where we're going to go behind the scenes, take a little peek at the episode that we just posted, um, talk about the things that we like, things that we didn't like, things that we wish we could have changed, and everything in between. It's just a little bit of extra content for everybody. And if you've listened to other Dungeons & Dragons podcasts, you know that a lot of them have similar themes and things like that to this, because it's it's just kind of fun to get a little bit of a sneak peek at what the players think and what, you know... We actually think once the full episode's been edited and once we get to listen to it through, because I don't know about you guys, but when we're actually playing, even though I'm the dungeon master and I know, you know, 80% of what's going on, I do miss certain things that I don't hear until the listen back. So it's fun to get, at least to me, it's fun to get a little bit of backstory and everybody's opinions on what they think of what happened. And especially I want to know what you guys think of each other's character decisions and stuff like that. So that's basically what this is going to be. It's going to be quite laid back. It's going to kind of be a little bit of a call and response thing. Um, so yeah, we'll see how it goes. And from there we will, you know, test the waters. We'll get a little bit of feedback, see what you guys like, what you don't like about this kind of episode. And we will go from there. But first I figured since this is our very first beyond the roll, I figured we could start by the episodes completely edited now. And everything like that. So uh, I figured we could talk about what you guys thought about the final product. We'll get into actual details, but just any basic questions about like not things that happened in the episode, but maybe just talking about, you know, us recording our first episode because this was we've done some tests and everything like that. But this is the first time any of us have ever put on like our like entertainment hat pretty much. And tried to not only play Dungeons and Dragons, but play it in an entertaining uh, standpoint from an entertainment viewpoint. So, yeah, like uh, anybody have any questions to kick us off? Well, so my first my first question, since it's kind of has to do with behind the scenes, is how long did it take you to edit this being completely new coming into this? So it's hard to tell because I guess the first little bit of behind the scene look here is when we recorded the first episode it was around like the holiday season and the turning of the new year and stuff like that so everybody was a little bit busy so I knew that we didn't have a deadline for editing and where this was the first one that I had edited all on my own I did take it a little bit slow because there wasn't any sort of timeline that it needed to be done but I would do like there were a couple days that I did like you know half an hour to an hour if I was just waiting for like dinner or something like that but for the most part i would try to do it in like two to four hour blocks and i would guess all together probably anywhere between like 15 to 20 hours wow but that's including the fact that a i have no idea what i'm doing so the first like three times i tried to edit was just like me floundering around and like playing with different effects, figuring out like the that. buttons and like exactly what everything does finding the shortcuts to do things so that I didn't yep. have to like go up to like edit and amplify everything individually and stuff like that. 
Um, so that took quite a while. And I also made a probably pretty rookie mistake. And instead of listening through the whole thing and editing out like pauses or bathroom breaks or anything like that, I tried to edit as I went. And that included like music cues and sound effects and stuff like that. And so anytime after that, that I would edit something out, um, my music would become unaligned and the sound effects would become unaligned. So I probably Mm. edited all those individually like three or four times before I caught on that it was a really shitty way to do things. And the other problem is, is that since our audios are all lined up, if there was like back chat that was like mm-hmm. Zach coughing or Zach sniffling or Zach squeaking or, or anything that Zach, Zach does clicking to, his pen or yeah, know, exactly. Zach existing. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's things, a rough life, guys. It's a rough life. <laughs> all the things Zach does to uh, distract from the podcast. <laughs> Anytime there was anything like that, I had to go in and individually amplify it down to zero instead of deleting it. But mm-hmm. then if there were big pauses or like bathroom breaks, I would delete it. So there were a couple times that instead of amplifying somebody's audio, I accidentally deleted it, which Ooh. pushed their entire track to the left. And I wouldn't notice until people started talking to each other. And then I would notice that like the talking was off because if it was like Jimmy's death scene and Joe like made a noise and instead of amplifying it, I deleted it. Joe might not talk for another 20 minutes. So I don't know that he's off until I get like 20 edits done on Jimmy. And then I have to go back and redo the entire thing. Cause it's so hard to line it up afterwards. If you delete something. Yeah. And so, I, I know it's really hard to like, I don't know. This is my first time doing anything like this and it's hard. I'm just a fidgeter. So like mm-hmm. me to not sure tap are. my fingers or, you know, like tap my foot or just do anything. It's, it's tough. I need one of those. Yeah, like, I gave Zach shit, but toys. in reality, he's the one that had the least amount of things that I had to edit out. He mostly just had like his throat cleared and a couple of those delicious tongue clicks in between words. But <laughs> I'm going to guess that I was probably the worst. Me and you were the worst by yeah. far. Yeah. Joe barely said anything the entire podcast. So yeah. I mean, honestly, Joe, Joe, you're still here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just kind of listening. So if your video wasn't on, I'm not 100% sure I would have known. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so the long of the short is it took way too long. And I think that the next time I edit, it will take maybe half the time. And then from there, like it'll start getting better and better because it'll start becoming like second nature. And once Mm -hmm. I get a method down of how I want to go about editing, like probably next time I'll just go through and edit all the like noise out first and like. The mm-hmm. me and Jimmy saying like, like I'm about to edit out a million <laughs> of the likes I'm saying right now and get all the kind of maintenance done first before going in and like getting it set up for people to listen to, like adding the sound effects and stuff like that. Because yeah, so. we recorded for quite a long time, but that was including all breaks, bathroom breaks and everything. I mean, what was yeah, it, like I think four total, or five hours. Well, I think total the episodes came out to once everything was edited down it was just under two hours for the two parts. So that's why Mm -hmm. I ended up breaking them is because I didn't want to post a two hour first episode because nobody knows who we are. So nobody's going to sit through two hours of listening to us talk without knowing like Mm -hmm. what our product is first. So I think we're awesome. Yeah. So that got edited down to two hours and I think everything together was like four hours and 20 minutes or something like that. But that's also including like, 
the little bit of technical difficulty we had with like Zach's Zencaster shutting off and you with your kids and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> Love kids. Yeah, Jim. But um, no, I mean, I guess one thing that I want to talk about because it's something that was way easier for me than I expected was actually like, obviously it's hard to get us started and I am not like trained in like hosting anything or anything like that. But I think that I don't want to be a part of this podcast. If I thought you were a professional, sorry, this podcast, I really led you guys on. (laughs) I'm not actually Brennan Lee Mulligan's brother. Oh, dude, that's I could have sworn. But I thought that playing D and D and recording it was going to feel a lot different. And honestly, once we actually started playing and stopped, like the whole, how are we going to do intros? How are we going to do this? I think everything, at least for me, came really naturally. Yeah. So I didn't know how yes, you guys did. felt about that. I didn't really feel like it was a whole lot different from just being at home doing it. I think the digital part of it is just a learning curve on, all on its own, just because I can't see how you guys are moving and all of that stuff. But other than that, I felt like it was pretty natural. Honestly, that's kind of... Like something that I never even considered anyways, because we are all used to playing in person for years Mm -hmm. and not even considering the fact that we're trying to record a podcast. But this is one of the first times we've played D&D over like a virtual thing. So that was a I think you're right. Maybe that took a little bit of the learning curve away because we were already trying to do stuff we weren't comfortable with. But what about you, Joe? Um, I don't think it's been too terribly different. Uh, There was a little bit of a. I was a little nervous at first. I mean, I'm still kind of nervous um, just because we were trying to set everything up and just make sure we were doing like at least the beginning the right way to kind of introduce the podcast and the characters and make sure that was at least done right. But after we got, after we got, at least in my opinion, after we got past the initial like introduction, the actual gameplay, I think went really well. You can kind of hear it in the second part where we kind of like, like kind of shook off the, uh, I guess the rust for lack of a better phrase. Yeah, Yeah, Uh, We started getting going a little bit. I also think it's kind of weird, too, because we all kind of collaborated with Jesse on our death scenes, but we wrote our death scenes. So to like play through something that we kind of already knew what was going to happen, it was kind of just it felt a little awkward to me. So then once we started getting into the actual playing of D&D, it felt just way more natural. So I, I agree, Joe. That's something that I kind of tried to negate because I wanted I didn't want to take the reins completely out of your hands as far as what your characters were doing before they died. But where this is such a gimmicky like start, Mm -hmm. I did try to throw in a couple things to surprise you guys and a few things that we didn't actually like talk about and stuff like that just to get genuine responses. So it didn't feel like you were trying to be actors when none of us are actors. No, but like, I think they all came out really well. And I think that it was a good mix of, you guys knowing what was happening versus you guys not knowing what was happening. Cause I feel like it gave everybody a little bit of agency and what's going on with their characters. And maybe at least in my perspective as somebody like on the outside being the DM, I always feel like doing these intros with characters makes everybody feel like they're actually part of this world instead of when we just jump in Mm -hmm. and start a session and stuff like that. Like I do love the generic, like, starting a tavern tavern and yeah (laughs) meeting at a tavern or waking up in jail and stuff like that but i feel even if you wanted to do that with this because like what i did because the technical start of the campaign was you all waking up in 
like this makeshift prison. And that's not all that much different from a normal D&D campaign start. But I feel like giving these personal scenes not only helps make the character feel like they belong in that world, but it also gives you guys more insight on how you each act like separate from each other. So you guys all get to interact with me before you have to interact mm-hmm. with each other. And I feel like that helps take a little bit of the weight off of the awkward, like, uh, why am I talking to these characters? Why is my character like doing this? So I feel like you can hear it in the first part that it is a little bit like awkward at sometimes because we, it was, it was the most like, for a lack of better word, scripted thing you can have mm-hmm. while playing mm-hmm. Dungeons and Dragons. But, but and, I and think it, I think that it really helped the second part be as good as it was because I think having that bit of like intro to shake off any rust and like really kick yourself into what you at least want to start with. Because I know we've all talked about how your characters are going to change and adapt and evolve over time. I think Joe actually has a revelation that not even... Uh, Jim or Zach know because Joe has a character voice now at least that he's sent me in his like little uh, snippet but um but no I think that at least in my opinion as like the outsider I think that while it felt a little bit awkward while recording it came out really well and it helped Mm -hmm. it'll help the listeners get a little bit better view on you guys and it helped you all get a little bit better view on each other it was very cool too hearing everybody else's intros because i say that we collaborated with jesse but i didn't know what zach had written or joe had written for their characters yeah we all collaborated separately so yeah Mm -hmm. and even then i mean i didn't tell jesse like okay you know my mom is gonna walk into my room and be you know and i'm gonna be upset like we had talked about a few things like that but you know i didn't know exactly what was gonna happen so yeah honestly like uh another behind the screen look me and Joe took a little while to figure out how his death scene was going to be. And as a last minute thing, I really felt like Joe needed some sort of tie to the monastery. So yeah. I just came up with the mentor mm-hmm. concept without even consulting Joe. Cause I thought it was something that would give his character a little bit of something for his character to have at the monastery. And I think you can hear it when I introduce it in the session. Cause it's something Joe wasn't expecting mm-hmm. that it's something that was exciting. Cause it was something like new to him. Mm-hmm. So like I tried to do a couple things like that. That was just things that you guys necessarily wouldn't know to keep you on your toes. But like, you know, I agree with Joe. I think the second part is like way more authentic feeling. Cause that's like, when we start playing D and D pretty much. Yes. Yeah. Did anybody have any like, and maybe I'm going too fast. I mean, I know we we're talking about the uh, behind the scenes, but did anybody have like any regrets or anything about their death scenes or things that they wish they could change? Cause I know I have one personally, but I'm interested to see if you <laughs> I know what do. yours is. Cause we've talked about it a lot. Yeah. Um, I did a little bit, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm very curious to see. Well, you brought up the idea first. I'll let you go first. As oh yeah, no, was- I, I, uh, it was never my intention to. So my my scene starts out with my mom coming into my room and um, Silas is crying and upset because mm-hmm. she just dropped big news onto both him and his father. It was never my intention to just 
not share what that news was like with you guys or even any of our listeners but it just never once it got past that point there was never a good point to actually bring it up again right so that's kind of one of my regrets is i felt i made it kind of like it was this hush hush secret which it is but it wasn't meant to be in the death scene i guess i think i think that actually worked out really well because Mm -hmm. i agree i was curious as hell about that like Mm -hmm. throughout the entire thing and like even when i was listening back through uh to you know kind of just see if anything was missed during their initial edits that's one thing that caught like that caught my attention again it was like what is that see like what was it mm-hmm. but i think it, it's kind of good... fun too because now it's like a motivation for me to try to like for my character to try to keep it a secret you know yeah. like because it's right. it is something that he is trying to hide from somebody so it's it's just funny how like things like that work out you didn't plan for it like it is still a regret but it did work yeah. out in the end as well. Well, I remember we, we talked about it during one of our breaks too. And I don't know if you remember, but I heard it when I was editing, but Probably you had like much. said that you had forgotten to mention it and that you hadn't meant to forget. But like we had mm-hmm. talked originally about whether or not you were going to tell Zach and Jim about that anyways. So when you didn't bring it up, I was, I wasn't going to like yeah. drop that as something as like the DM and have your mom like, blatantly say it because i do feel like it kind of had that cinematic moment of mm-hmm. well what are they talking about because we end the prologue the session zero we end your character introduction with you all playing like fantasy poker and a little bit of foreshadowing that something goes wrong after that mm-hmm. but it's almost like we have that missed chunk of time that everybody's going to be sitting on of what mm-hmm. happened between that game and then uh, Silas's mom coming into his room. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it, it worked out great. I, I guess I shouldn't even say it's a regret because I mean, I think it worked out for the best, but it's just, it's one of those things, you know, like you, you planned on doing something and it just didn't, didn't end up happening. So for sure, something we'll have to get used to is just letting the, the audience know what's mm-hmm. going on. Cause obviously like you as the player, or even, us four kind of have an insight on what's going on most of the time, whereas they have only mm-hmm. what we're telling them. And that's not, that's something I think. Yeah. We'll yeah I think to. you and I talked about it, Zach, but that's one thing that is hard because, and I think we'll get better as we progress because this is as much as you guys knew because you needed a death scene. So all you knew going into this is that you were starting dead. And so I think that we had so much preparation like together talking about your death scenes and stuff like that, that we didn't do a fantastic job of communicating certain things to listeners. Mm -hmm. And I think those are growing Mm -hmm. pains of trying to do this as a podcast versus just playing it as a table, but not like that would be my biggest regret as the DM going into the death scenes is that I think we came up with some like pretty cool ways of, like having your characters die. Mm-hmm. But I think that there was a little bit lost in translation because we didn't really format it or anything. Cause I didn't want it to seem like, like a pre-recorded thing or anything like that. I wanted it to still feel like you guys were playing D and D, but I almost feel like if I had to do it again, maybe it would have been worth like planning out a little bit more. Like I cut two or three scenes of like, you doing investigation checks, Jim, because like we, we just had like a lot of like, 
I want to go in like the living room mm-hmm. and then you would investigate and then you went in like the bedroom and then like I cut a whole scene of like you outside because it was just like dragging. Yeah. And that would be my regret is just not putting more thought into how much stuff I wanted to like do during this. Well, and I think it's hard too because we're adjusting to like playing. We've all played a home game before. So, you know, like that stuff is just normal, but now you're editing out stuff that, you know, you're not, that doesn't matter. Yeah. No, like nobody's going to want to yeah. listen to me searching under my parents' bed and finding sex toys and not them. Damn. be hilarious. Yeah. Come on. I didn't buddy. mean, to, I didn't mean to edit that out. Sorry. <laughs> All right. We, we had that whole guys. double-sided Marie's... dildo thing of Robert or whatever <laughs> your dad's shit. name is. Um, what was your regret, Joe? Uh, I know so, you had a pre-planned one, then we'll move to Zach. Yeah, so mine, I, again, because of the way it was done, which I really liked because you gave us control over the death scenes, but you had some control over the details, which I think worked better for both of us because it kept us both invested. But I, for whatever reason, I wasn't expecting a conversation as if I wasn't going to even talk at all during my death scene because that's normal, right? Uh, so I definitely feel like I flubbed the, the conversation a little bit because especially because I hadn't got the character voice down completely. So it felt a little awkward for me to try and do that uh, on the fly, especially when like, again, my character voice is still kind of like up in the air, but thankfully I didn't talk a lot anyway. So it wasn't terrible, but that was like, that was one thing I'd, Definitely think I could have done better on. And I mean, well, you, you can say that. Oh, go ahead. What's Sorry. that, Jim? I say you can edit this out, which I mean, now means you definitely won't. <laughs> You're keeping it. Um, but I mean, <laughs> the listeners don't know, but we we weren't even going to play D&D that, or we weren't going to start the campaign that night when we started recording our first session. Like we were fully planning on playing a home game. And then my random ass just was like no let's let's actually start the campaign and play and so we yeah, that's yeah, fine. I mean, like three hours before we started recording jesse had to finish all of his details i'm sure <laughs> i guess that's the like ultimate behind the scene peak is we had done one test well two test sessions because jim ran one mm-hmm. um and we actually recorded the one that jim ran so if there's ever any interest maybe we'll release that as like bonus content because we recorded it so that i would have a little bit of practice like editing combat and stuff like that but we'll see what's going on but we recorded that and then i dm'd like a quick one shot that you guys really got into (laughs) that ended up being kind of fun and but um jim and joe because zach's usually pretty good once zach comes up with a character voice zach's pretty good at like falling in line with what he thinks his character is but even when we played that one shot there were a few things zach was unhappy with with the way his character was acting and stuff that didn't line up so originally everybody wanted like a role play session. So I had planned out this whole, like, I won't go into details cause I'll probably end up recycling it for the real campaign. But I, I did this whole like role play scenario that you guys could get into. That would be more of you interacting with other people and maybe using your, you know, diplomacy and intimidation and stuff like that. That would just do more of that stuff. And then I was talking to Jim on his way home from work And he was like, you know, a little bit of nerve nervous about like starting the actual podcast. And we just started talking about how if we never start recording, we're never going to do it. 
we're always going to be nervous. I think, <laughs> yeah. I think we both just kind of realized that like, we both kind of realized that it's never going to be perfect and that we're never going to get to the part that we want to be. We're never going to get to the stage of quality that we want to put out if we don't actually just start doing it. Mm-hmm. So that's a fun little behind the scene scoop. But um, to circle back to Joe's regret, that's like 95% on me. Cause I know when we originally discussed your death scene, cause like Lorcan's death scene, he doesn't talk to anybody but himself. He kind of breaks the third wall and almost talks to the DM. And I thought it was fun and quirky. So I'm like, Oh yeah, that's cool. You know, but like he doesn't talk to anybody in his death scene. And so like, it's not out of the realm of possibility that you wouldn't be talking to anybody. And I know originally we had talked about maybe you going to like a tavern or something, or you going to a couple other places. And it just ended up to when I started writing your death scene, like fully that it wasn't, it was going to be too many moving parts to have you at the monastery and then head towards hog's feet, end up at a tavern, like get this information about, the Wakefield mountains and stuff like that, and then have your death scene. So I tried to figure out a way to get like half of that done at the monastery so that the second half was just Wolf's travels. And so I think literally that day I decided that I was going to have somebody at the monastery that was close to Wolf, give him the like information about Wakefield instead of at a tavern. So like, that's nothing, that's no way that you would know to prepare for that. Right. And if it makes you feel better, I came up with the idea of mentor while we were doing the intros and stuff like that. So I didn't have a character voice planned. Like the only character whose voice I like knew what I was going to attempt for is um, Silas's mom and the leader of the champions. That is faith and, to you. Sir? Yeah, faith. But um, yeah, those were the only two voices that I knew going in. And so the rest of it, I just kind of wanted to see what felt right. And again, I only had like three hours knowing that we were going to record because like character voices is not something that I'm fluent in mm-hmm. other than like my <laughs> character mm-hmm. when I'm playing D&D. <laughs> and right. so a lot of the almost every character that you hear the voice of, there's a good like 15 second pause after I introduce them in the unedited part where I'm like, oh, fuck, what's this person going to sound like? And then they end up sounding completely different. Like It's my least favorite part of DMing, like whenever we played our home games. And I oh, yeah. Like that is I my- think it's everybody's least favorite yeah. part because, like, unless you... Like, I can't do accents. Yeah. Like, I cannot do, like, a British accent or anything like that and keep it going because I don't know the dialects and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And so it's kind of the nice thing about D&D because obviously like accents and voices and things like that fit our world. But so like, there's obviously not Britain in Omersia, big spoiler, (laughs) but you guys cannot go looking for Britain, (laughs) but like, that's where I died. buddy. (laughs) So, but yeah, you could be a little bit looser with your accents and stuff like that. But I also don't want to do a disservice to anybody whose accent I attempt. Like, I don't want it to seem like I'm poking fun at a certain group of individuals when in reality I'm just searching my big dumb brain to try to figure (laughs) out how to make people sound different from each other. It's the same reason I don't do like a stereotypical, like man trying to high pitch his voice to 
like um, pretend to be a female because I think that's just like obnoxious and offensive. <laughs> like, because right. I don't know, that's that's something that I like definitely need to get better at going forward is practicing these voices ahead of time and trying to keep them in my head of this is how this person sounds. This is how this person sounds. And luckily listening to the back to like the recordings and stuff like that mm-hmm. helps a little bit, but you're going to hear it. Like voices are going to evolve as this podcast goes. And like Jim, obviously you and I have heard it like a dozen different times in some of the podcasts we listen to, like people don't always land on what they're going to sound like in the first episode. Mm-hmm. So Every, all the listeners cannot abandon me yet because there's hope that these voices won't be completely <laughs> shitty. <laughs> I believe. Um, <laughs> was there anything else, Joe, or was that like the end of your regret? That was it, really. Okay. Uh, I Zach, did you keep it negative either? Like you got you didn't you didn't have to be only regrets. It's just I, I no. I figure that. we'll f- I figure we'll flip it after this and talk about what mm-hmm. our favorite part of our death scenes were and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, Zach, did you have any regrets? Mm. I know you were pretty happy with the way yours came out. Um, I think the the only regret I really have really just comes down to preparation. I mm-hmm. and that's that's just an ongoing problem that's going to happen throughout <laughs> that this is podcast. Zach in a I just nutshell. come in and I wing it. In uh, everything. <laughs> oh, whatever. <laughs> um, but now, when you started talking to me, I like my mind just went completely blank. I had no idea how I wanted my character to act during this scene. <laughs> had no idea what he wanted to say to himself because he didn't have that person he was talking to. So I couldn't just, you know, respond to what you were saying. So I kind of had to, you know, try to keep that scene, you know, semi fun, but I had nothing to really grasp onto except for, you know, what was in this empty noggin of mine. So uh, I do think you kept it fun though. Like I, I genuinely laughed at your like death scene i thought it was i think it worked so perfectly like everything about it i think was great and Mm -hmm. i know you and because we talked like multiple phone calls about having you like teaching a class or having like a like other professor or something that he was talking to and it's almost like uh wolf's death scene where he was going to be in like three or four different places where it just felt it it felt so fragmented that I think it worked out better this way just having because I think Lorcan is the type of, you know, character that would be walking around his cabin just talking to himself, being (laughs) so excited about (laughs) what's going on. So I think it worked out really well. I really enjoyed his scene quite a bit. No, I had a lot of fun listening back to it. So um, like I said, overall, my regret and my regret for this episode is the same thing (laughs) is just lack of preparation. And it's. For sure. Yeah. Honestly, I think that your death scene, though, is proof that um, sometimes you can prepare too much Mm -hmm. because I think that I tried to over prepare for the other two scenes and it you can hear it in the recording that like I'm trying to get more into it and I'm almost butting heads with myself (laughs) while Jim and Joe are trying to tell their story and stuff like that. So I think it's something to learn going forward, you know, that sometimes you do want to know some of what's going on, but that simplicity and off the cuff is better with certain things. Yep. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we'll do this a little bit quicker, but what was your favorite parts of your death scene? We'll kick with Zach and then, yeah, yeah, we'll kick with Zach and then we'll spin back. Um, 
God, that's actually kind of a tough one. Um, <laughs> this I kinda, is the hardest part. <laughs> I, I I know it's stupid, but I I genuinely laughed at the uh, the fucking sleeping bag. Part. Yes, that's I love the sleeping part. bag. Yeah, yeah, just something about that part. Uh, Jimmy popped for the sleeping bag in the unedited version because <laughs> yeah. there's so much of Jimmy laughing or like commenting on the sleeping bag that I had to edit out because people couldn't hear you. Well, and- yeah, <laughs> you just have those moments like when you're playing D and D that you just you have the mental image and it's just like happening in your head. And that was just mm-hmm. one of those moments where just this old man gnome is just like headfirst in a human sleeping bag <laughs> yeah. with his legs sticking out and then just going all the way to the bottom of the sleeping bag. That's one of my other regrets is that I didn't narrate the sleeping bag floating down the byway as he's looking at his pack <laughs> that's hanging. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, what was this is probably going to throw you off because we didn't plan it. <laughs> Even if we did plan it, Zach wouldn't have had an answer until you asked. That's Fuck true. <laughs> <laughs> but what was your do you have a favorite part of Wolf or Lorcan's death scene? Honestly, Silas's really kept me on my toes. Like I, I, I could like almost picture myself in that scene, like just almost like just watching it, like as if it was on TV. As far as like a favorite part, I don't know if I have like necessarily a favorite part of Silas's, um, but the the ending where he actually died did catch me quite a bit off guard. I was like, it didn't feel like a death scene until he died. Mm-hmm. Which uh, I really enjoyed. <laughs> I thought you meant the fact that he died threw you off, and I'm like, brother, you really weren't paying attention to the. <laughs> I told you, I'm prepared. <laughs> I'm prepared. Uh, it sucks. Like I thought I was the only one dying. <laughs> yep. So uh, as far as Silas's go, I I liked how it just like it catches you off guard at the end. All right. What about you, Joe? What's your favorite part of yours, and uh, if you have a favorite part from Lorcan or Silas? Oh, I can tell you the favorite parts from the others easily. Mine, not so much. Uh, I guess. Thanks. Glad I glad <laughs> I did you, well Jesse. with your death scene. I, I have no, one for, it's for not just Wolf, that. So. Uh, I get well. Hmm. <laughs> I guess for mine, the uh, I guess the one part where I just I tried to be smart and just write in the dirt. I guess that mm-hmm. just I, I got to that was <laughs> that was what. <laughs> My, my, my favorite is just Jesse. Like, what kind of dirt is this? Joe asks, and Jesse's yes. just like, yeah. uh, right, That's my favorite part. The dirt <laughs> scene. Yes, I even mentioned it to Jesse on a phone call, or maybe maybe it was while you were up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about the said, dirt. Well, uh, you said that was one of your favorite parts of the entire session because it was like so creative and out of the box. It was from, like, things we usually do, and like in a good way, honestly. Because at the time, like Joe said that, I was like, what? how is he trying to fuck me? Like what's going on here? Well, I thought he meant like what kind of dirt, like, yeah. fucking, like, like what's scientifically of this what dirt? kind of soil is this? And I was yeah, like, we both thought you were about to pull out like a actual specific type of soil. Yeah, be like, I was like, what's he going to do? It's actually this? flammable <laughs> and I'm going to light it on fire. Yeah. And, I was shook. I was like, I didn't know what was going on, <laughs> but that was the uh, that was my favorite part of it, just because I tried to be smart mm-hmm. uh, and creative. But my favorite part, this might sound a little cliche, but my favorite part of both of like Silas and Lorkins was the background music specifically, because that was like mm. the background music 
made it all like a thousand times better in my opinion. Yeah. So for because we didn't talk about it with the editing, but a good part of that was uh finding themes that I thought fit mm-hmm. your characters and stuff no, like that. I, I thought you did well with that. Yeah, I, I thought know, you like, did very well. I think Lorcan's music specifically really kind of honestly it explains Lorcan very well. Uh, <laughs> and I guess if we're going like details, uh my favorite part was probably the beginning is where he's trying to cast magic and like he actually did it. So that was my favorite part. He actually cast You did do a he was, like, very well of yeah. showing the excitement in his voice. Mm-hmm. Yes. He was he was ready for it and I really <laughs> liked that. Um Silas probably wasn't ready for it. <laughs> Silas <laughs> was a little different <laughs> because I had like as it was happening, I had a lot of questions like what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like what Zach said. I wasn't entirely sure uh, what exactly was going to happen. And mm-hmm. I like that sense of suspense, especially like I know that we weren't like privy to each other's backgrounds or backgrounds mm-hmm. to, like death, death scenes. But like the whole thing is kept on my toes. <laughs> and Hell yeah. I guess to kind of explain it in a, a, a sort of different way, Silas's death scene kind of had me asking questions about the death scene itself and Lorcan's had me asking questions about Lorcan specifically (laughs) 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 which I don't know like I thought of a bunch of questions like for both but Mm -hmm. I liked them both a lot well we'll probably get into that in a minute here um and Jim what about you your favorite for your part and the if you had anything for the other two um well the dirt one definitely and the sleeping bag um those are easily my favorite parts um i think another i don't want to say favorite part because we don't know a lot about it yet but i i'm just a huge D nerd period so like and i just love lore and things like that so like just the whole monastery of wolves like we didn't get to mm-hmm. learn a lot about it so i'm just i just I want to dive right in. Like I want to explore the hallways of the monastery. I want to know who's who I want to know what's happening on a day-to-day basis. So I guess I'm just really, you know, it's not a favorite part, but I'm, I think that's probably the part that I'm like questioning most. Like I want to mm-hmm. know what's going to happen with this month. Like if anything happens and maybe nothing does, you know, I just, yeah, it's just D and D. We're definitely not going to ever go. No, there. no, I mean, <laughs> definitely not. So no, um, I think my only other favorite part that nobody else mentioned yet is uh, Zach's knack for perfect comedic pauses when he doesn't actually <laughs> know what's happening during things. <laughs> because I love in the actual like intro intro where we're just talking and he forgets the name of where he's from. <laughs> and yep. then during his death scene, there's the part of he casts his first two spells and he was so excited to do them. And so like I paused cause like, it seemed like he so wanted something to do. Mm-hmm. And then there's just a soft. Excellent. <laughs> <In the background. laughs> it's also very, um, I, th- I kind of found it interesting how like our, some of our, how alike some of our characters are in even just our death scenes or just period, like, like my parents are missing and um, Lorcan's sister, you know, is seems like she's missing. Um, Lorcan and Silas both, you know, fell to their deaths um, that we know of, you know, this mm-hmm. is just all speculation, you know, um, Wolf mysteriously, 
you know, died. You know, there's the correlation of like, where's this voice coming that that Silas hears? You know, there's just a lot of unknowns. And I think that's really cool. I think a really fun dynamic that I don't think even we've talked about is how much of a parallel there is between Lorcan and Silas. Mm -hmm. Because you're both from Evermore originally. Mm -hmm. You both left Evermore. You both have like the mysterious disappearances and stuff. You both have like a lineage in Evermore because you're both from like wealthier families and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then we have Wolf who's like a complete outsider. He's not even part of the square or anything like that. He's not from one of the major towns. He's like from an outside thing. So I think it gives it a really cool dynamic of Silas and Lorcan can definitely relate to a lot of the same things. And Wolf has this like completely different like outside perspective of everything mm-hmm. and i think that's going to be something like going forward that's going to be really fun to see how that plays into everything i agree with that i did want to cut back in real quick because i forgot to comment on um silas's death scene because there were two things that i really liked from your death scene mm-hmm. um number one and it's one of my favorite moments uh from our brief time <laughs> like d- dming for this but like one of my favorite moments as a DM, because we're all starting to actually learn the mechanics of the game now, mm-hmm. is you trying to cast message to your mom. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was a really cool thing that like threw me off for a minute. Mm-hmm. And you can, I think, hear it in the recording because I thought it was a really cool way to do something. And obviously a little bit of a spoiler, but within the mechanics of message, I knew more than likely she wouldn't be within the range for it. But I mm-hmm. thought it was such a cool move that that's why I like started introducing the voice a little bit more because I thought that like you deserved something, even though there wasn't a role or anything attached yeah. to it. I fully like, I wasn't thought... expecting an answer. I think it was just, mm-hmm. it felt right at that time for Silas to do, you know, like he left on a bad note with his parents, you know, mm-hmm. like his mom said, I love you. And that was my second one that I wanted to say. Was yeah, the, sorry. <laughs> the long pause after the I love you. And then it got edited down a little bit, but I tried to keep like the authenticity of it. But like the general uncertainty in your voice and all I edited was like the ums and pauses mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But the authenticity in your voice of trying to figure out whether or not Silas was going to answer her. Mm-hmm. Because I know how like you are as a person. Right. And so I know that that was like a hard decision for you to make. And yep. I just thought like that whole thing was pretty, pretty killer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also very hard. Like sometimes I feel not bogged down, but like the, the mechanics of D&D sometimes like fuck mm-hmm. you. Because like, I mean, I'm fine with the message. I mean, it's a cantrip. The message cantrip only being 120 feet. Like I, Silas mm-hmm. fully wasn't I don't think expecting an answer you know maybe a long shot but like it was I as a player was kind of thrown off because it says you know you point at a willing creature or not a willing creature but you point at a creature and they can hear this message so you know like just trying to you know point in all directions mm-hmm. seems kind of silly but I did want to like convey this that you know like he does love his mom and you know he he's trying to find her whether and he, he can't just say it out loud you know as he's being searched for by nico so you know it felt weird sometimes by the mechanics but i think it still worked out oh yeah so. well i think that's something that D in general like and i actually messaged this to joe the other day because we were talking about 
his charisma score or something mm-hmm. like that. Like, I think a big thing about D&D is obviously there's rules for a reason and rules with spells and stuff like that help tell a better story. Mm-hmm. But I never want there to become a time where we're using rules or stats or um, personality or alignment mm-hmm. as like a handcuff that ends up, I can't do this because my paper tells me that I can't right. do this. Um, when in reality, I think they're way better used as like tools. So the message cantrip only works for a certain distance because otherwise you'd basically negate yeah. a bunch of the game. But I think that using it in dire moments like this where it fits the character so perfectly, there is no reason as a DM not to reward that mm-hmm. in some way if there's anything that you can do with it. So you're and like, saying- obviously, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, obviously, if there was like, if it was like work in trying to get in contact with somebody and there mm-hmm. was no, you know, like emotion or any kind of like build for it, it would probably have to be one of those things that's like, oh, you know, you don't get a response back. Mm-hmm. Like nothing's within the 120 feet or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think it added a cool moment to the fact that he did get a response from mm-hmm. someone he wasn't expecting. I think it added a cool little like oh shit you know well i think it's really cool too because it was like half on purpose half not but you tried to cast that right at the precipice of your death scene Mm -hmm. so it almost acted as a catalyst of what's going on so you can obviously like i know what's going on but Mm -hmm. you can read into it in like a couple different ways now of like did him casting this message cantrip lead to what happened or Mm -hmm. is this like an unfortunate you know side effect and things like that Mm -hmm. um but just before we move on to a different topic the only other thing i wrote down that i missed originally is from wolf's and it was one of my favorite parts of wolf's scene and it goes back to what we were talking about with mentor being a last minute addition but when i have mentor hug wolf and I go through the description of how, like, that's not really how the monastery works. You can hear the joy in Joe's voice when he's like, I I hug him back. And, mm-hmm. like, you know, <laughs> I'm super fucking into it, man. Like, for almost and, too long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, but I think, like, the actual excitement in Joe's voice really helped encapsulate how Wolf was actually feeling. Because, like, to Joe this was something new that he didn't know. And it was, it was like, he immediately got what was going on. Cause it's this person that Wolf really respects and they're doing something out of the ordinary because they're showing respect back to Wolf. And it was like that instantly like resonated. And I just thought it was like a cool little understated moment. Mm-hmm. Actually, you and me talked about this a little bit, Jesse, but um, even though Joe didn't have, or didn't have a like legitimate character voice i really felt like he still was able to separate himself and the character Mm -hmm. so when he was talking as his character you know you still kind of got like how that character was feeling and you knew you just knew the character was talking agreed i think i thought it worked really well i agree i think for coming in and not knowing what to do for a character voice and being kind of like a little bit self-conscious about it because I know Joe felt a little bit behind the eight ball with everybody else knowing 
roughly what they wanted to do. I know Jim kind of fell into his a little mm-hmm. bit, but um, I think that going into it, honestly, I think all three of you did a fantastic job of at least differentiating and remembering to speak as your character when you wanted to do that. Cause I know one of the things we talked about and it's something that happens probably on a lot of table games and stuff like that is there's a lot of, you know, Jim will turn to Zach and be like, Oh, do you think we should do this? Or like, should we do this? Like, what do you think we should do? Mm-hmm. And I think those are great moments for characters to talk to each other. And yeah. there were no prompts like that got edited out or anything like that. Like of you guys, interacting with each other or interacting with me or my NPCs or anything like that. It just like felt so natural and it was something that I wasn't expecting. I'm going to be honest. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that we're doing this digitally. Cause I can't just turn to Jim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I can That's turn fair. to him on my screen, but he doesn't know I'm looking at him necessarily. You know what I mean? So right. it's well, almost like, so, so it's almost like we parts, have to, so. yeah, we almost have to like, prompt him you know we have to prompt because it's the only way to get their attention and i think it's playing to our advantage i think so So one thing i I will say um just because i I know we were we're gonna try and talk about it at some point but since we're already like right here um i i don't think our characters ever actually introduced ourselves to each other (laughs) i think think we just kind of picked up on our names like as as because we already knew each other's names as we were gone yeah 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 that's definitely a regret of mine i mean that's something that's gonna happen and like we'll get into it a little bit more here but i have like a bunch of dm moments like that that like don't actually make sense in the grand grand scheme of things but no i think there's gonna be a lot of things like that and that's another thing that i think will benefit from getting out of the growing stages of early campaign Mm -hmm. because obviously everybody's going to know each other's names and stuff like that. Yeah. Like it's just something that's going to happen. And when you're trying to juggle, like getting done your death scene, doing all this stuff and then like introducing yourself to people is not really like your first idea of what's going on. So I mean, like, I don't know. I didn't notice it, but like, right. It's, it definitely makes sense now that somebody's pointed it out, you know, I didn't, I didn't notice it until I I think we were at dinner and one of you guys mentioned it. And I was like, that is, that is right. But I think that also does play in back to what Zach said about having to like verbalize everything. Cause we know more, we have more insight into what's going on than, you know, the audience does. So that ties back in. Cause like, obviously we all knew each other's names but they have yeah. no way of knowing that. So it's going to be, it's going to be a little bit of a, a learning curve to really like verbalize everything that's going on because some of it's just like to, uh, at least to me, some of it's like the names were just like so like backhand knowledge compared to like what was going on that I didn't even think of that. But to someone who doesn't yeah. know, they're going to catch on to that pretty quickly, I think. But that does tap back into what he was saying earlier. And there was a, I, I may be wrong, I'm just going off of the couple of times that I did listen to it, but I don't think there was ever a point where I, as Silas, said, like, Wolf or Lorcan. There was times as me as the player was like, oh, you know, I follow, I stand behind Wolf or, you know, I follow right. Lorcan, but I never, like, was like, oh, hey, Lorcan, like, how you doing? You know, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, you did a lot of sir and, and mm-hmm. things of yeah. that nature. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I think like we'll jump forward a little bit and then Mm -hmm. we'll kick back into the 
beginning of your after death scenes, like the start of part two. But um, I will jump ahead with, cause it completely relates to what Joe's saying right now. And my biggest regret of this entire thing, other than like preparation and stuff, cause that you're never going to get down. But I wasn't anticipating I wasn't anticipating you guys to split the difference. I wasn't anticipating Lorcan and Silas to go back to pretending to be unconscious and for one person <laughs> to be up. I figured you'd either all see what's happening or all play unconscious mm-hmm. or something like that. And Zach and Jim, Lorcan and Silas being from Evermore, from one of the main towns, you two played unconscious and Wolf stayed up and Wolf's the only one from like mm-hmm. a monastery. He's not completely tied in to what's going on in the square. He probably knows some of the things, but um, I made him make a history check for the champions because I didn't know whether or not his character knew about them, mm-hmm. but there is no world where Lorcan and Silas wouldn't know who they are. Cause the champions are pretty much like celebrities around Omerja mm-hmm. and especially throughout the square and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And Joe and I talked about this a lot, but one of my biggest regrets of this first session is how sloppy the champions introduction came out. Um, Cause a little bit more behind the scenes, but halfway through is also when we had the issues with Zach's internet. Um, so we had like broken it up so much that by the time I had introduced them all, not only did it drag a little bit, but there was needless exposition of he does this, she does this, they do this, the girl with the purple hair does this, the elf does this, mm-hmm. because I was trying to play coy that um, you guys hadn't seen them. But once you woke up, you would know who they are. Mm-hmm. And right. that's a big like missed opportunity on my end is I think it's just like, congruently it doesn't make sense with world lore and stuff like that and obviously we can play it off a little bit with the fact that we're dead exactly you all died yeah and like it's a pretty hectic fucking thing to wake up to but there was a to me at least the regret is just the needless confusion of just not saying their names and stuff like that, because mm-hmm. that would have made the whole scene a lot easier to follow. And like you said, it also could work out where, you know, um, Lorcan and Silas are from Evermore. Like maybe we've seen them before. Like maybe it's not such a big deal as to like, they are celebrities. Don't get me wrong, but you know, maybe we've seen them before and Wolf just doesn't know. So he's not going to be like, Oh my God, it's the champions of immersia you know so i I think it still it still works yeah yeah to wolf i feel like it's the equivalent of like he definitely knows who these people are Mm -hmm. it would be like if you were from another country Mm -hmm. and you saw like a political figure from america like you would know who they are Mm -hmm. but like you're not necessarily going to find it as big of a deal as some other people might Mm -hmm. but like that was the biggest thing that threw me off is just because like wolf realistically could have known about them or could have not, but I didn't capitalize on doing the reveal when you both uh, stopped playing unconscious. Mm-hmm. I, th- I still think it, it, it makes sense because we like kind of like I told Jesse, like it was like it could have been a missed opportunity, but like we literally woke up in hell or something equivalent to hell uh, and we'd all just died and uh, we all didn't know each other. And uh, mm-hmm. we were all then told to escape. 
There's and a lot going on. He also said it was. I like, wasn't sure if it was a man or a woman, so I, my yeah. mind was on that. <laughs> and he also said it was like favorite parts gray and like he's like he described like the colors in the in the actual world, which I don't remember the specifics, but is that was a very hectic situation when like not even mm-hmm. the colors were right. So it's I think it's very reasonable that we wouldn't notice. But since we're all like ready off the rails and everything. My other big regret that I didn't capitalize on is um, when you guys went through the portal, I never made it clear that you were back in Omersia. Mm-hmm. Um, and that <laughs> yeah, was supposed to be like assumed. a... Yeah, yeah I, I know everybody would assume, but that was supposed to be like a big reveal. You know, like you died, you were in this like big prison chamber thing and everything like that. And it was supposed to be the big reveal of like, after all this like bullshit, you guys are back with your feet on Omerja soil, even though you're dead. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that could have been capitalized on more. And it's something that going into session two, I will try to work into it being like, you know, probably the beginning is going to be something along the lines of you guys are now actually able to take a moment to see what's going on. And like, really digest the fact that you are dead mm-hmm. but you're back in omersia like yeah. wonder, that's not a normal thing yeah i wonder what that feels like for our characters like is that a physical feeling like would it feel well, different? Like, like do you feel like a ghost about, like i was thinking about that too because it's something that as D players you get a little bit numb to mm-hmm. but like you all three individually died and like Lorcan you didn't never even... felt more alive. <laughs> yeah. Lorcan had the best day of his life. Yeah. I literally wrote down on my notes of stuff to talk about Lorcan's best day ever. Like, <laughs> Cause he learned magic. He learned all this. And then like, he had a couple hours that were shitty when he had to walk to find his pack. But after yeah. that, he, would, he was good to bag. go. Yeah. Um, so yeah. What'd you guys think of? Part two, what were the, what were your favorite things? What would you like? What'd you not like? We all know what my favorite thing is. <laughs> I think that's a good What's thing that? to talk about. Uh, Torbera, of course. The, Honestly, uh, I th- I think the Lorcan and Torbera was my favorite part of this recording. Mm-hmm. Like part one and part two. Mm-hmm. It, I wasn't, I, it shocked me, so... Honestly, yeah, I exactly. I obviously wasn't expecting it. We didn't talk about it. It literally was like, all right, this mm-hmm. is what it is. Yeah, and I know I've talked like a little bit about it without giving spoilers to you guys, but like you'll learn this further that you talk to them and stuff like that. But like that's just part of Torbera's character is she is like very naturally this person that, you know, will flirt with people and they're very like we all they're very different though they're very like playful this time it's real yeah oh yeah (laughs) they have a real deal for her (laughs) they have a very playful and flirty personality and stuff like that so Lorcan kind of being a little bit of a like awkward but pretending to have the situation under control like that is the perfect target for her to just be like yeah okay like i'm gonna play along with this this is fun like and <laughs> yeah uh, that was you won't be saying that, that awesome. when we're walking down the aisle you know what i mean Ooh, <laughs> can i be your best man 
Uh, we're not there yet. Not Silas. Me, Jim. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Jim's Just like, you no, and Jesse up there playing D and D as Tobera and Lorkin <laughs> and Jim as the Jim's, best man. <laughs> Jim's like, no, I'm putting you on the spot. Can I, Jimmy Gladhill, be Zach Ledford's best man? <laughs> uh, I, uh, shocking as it is, my. I had a favorite champion, and it wasn't Torbera. It was whatever. Uh, That's ridiculous. It was Ro. Really? Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, maybe for some, it's a very easy mental image to imagine. Because um, I mean, I don't know if anybody else knows. Like, if you're gonna edit this part out, but um, like Ro Not is now. obviously based off of a character that you briefly played. So I was just about to bring yeah. that up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So. One of the biggest behind the scenes thing here is the champions are actually a like reskinning of some people that you were going to meet in our home game mm-hmm. that we never ended up getting to play. And but they were going to have a different purpose in that campaign. Mm-hmm. So I had picked characters that made sense for that campaign. And then when we came into this, the champions ended up in a different role in my planning. And so I ended up wanting to go back and reskin a couple of them. And I really wanted like a barbarian figure that the, that was the biggest thing is because the champions as everybody will learn. And I talked about it a little bit, but they are the like one elite person from each of the four main towns. And kind of the gimmick is, is that, there's you know a different class of each of those people mm-hmm. so you have your like spellcaster you have the like rogue cleric you have the melee yeah melee fighter and stuff like that but then i wanted to have like a barbarian or a fighter or something mm-hmm. and i started like trying to figure out how i wanted them to be because i didn't know what kind of personality i wanted them to have and stuff like that and eventually i was just like you know this is the perfect time to just throw in a character that I've used because I already have like a personality set for them. It's way less work that I have to do. Mm-hmm. And they, they're like aesthetic and stuff like that. Cause Rosa um, half Goliath. And there's a lot of stuff that we'll end up getting into that. We talked about a little bit in section zero, but like Goliaths aren't really from Omersia anymore. Like Goliaths have been, relegated to the Icelands and stuff like that. So I thought having somebody that doesn't necessarily fit the mold of Omersia representing Omersia mm-hmm. was a really fun contrast and something that like we could maybe work with later on in the campaign and stuff like that. And so instead of just making somebody who was practically Roe, I just said, fuck it. I'm going to put Roe in. <laughs> He's a fun character and it'll be an easy like thing to edit in there was that, was that for zach's campaign that we yeah it was yeah. i know this is like um this might be like too far behind um but the i do love how you kept the shackles uh yes I, like you kept part of his backstory from my campaign but almost yep. like reskinned it in a way to yours those shackles are an important part of the story oh man so anyways oh. did you guys like any <laughs> of the other champions uh, Tor- obviously Torbera. you didn't get to meet them very much i was but... gonna say i feel like they didn't those two kind of had the biggest role yeah i mean do a whole lot. you had the main girl mm-hmm. um torbera no <laughs> you had like her that talked a lot to wolf and stuff like that but you didn't really get to see personalities and whatnot but mm-hmm. oh i think we saw plenty of personality um, from her 
<laughs> Give Fair. me attitude, tell you that. <laughs> and, and, yeah, but in her defense, you were pretty... You had an attitude right off the get-go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I'm dead, and I don't know where I am. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. <laughs> speaking um, of which, speaking of that phrase specifically, "Go fuck yourself," I want to travel back a little bit further into that. Excuse me, sir. To where you said, to where you, uh, Lorcan said to Silas, "Us magic users have to stick together." <laughs> <laughs> I wrote the sound too. And then someone, I don't know who it was, was like, oh, well, I guess Wolf's just going to go go fuck himself. I think then. Jesse said it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think Jesse me. did too, yeah. Well, <laughs> because I, thought- I had actually forgotten when we were playing that Wolf is a spellcaster. Yeah. <laughs> I was for some reason thinking that. that Wolf is like yeah, but, melee. Like, but we haven't even seen it. So I think like Lorcan would be like, well, he's, he's just, you know. That's true. I do love how he has like this. Oh, he's not a spellcaster attitude, and he just started <laughs> casting spells already. Like, what a what a yeah. deal! I, I think that's very true to life, though. Like you have the person, like it's the jock mentality of yeah. people that really want to play a sport, and but they're not like quite good enough, and then they get on the team, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Hell yeah, you fucking nerds can't make the football team." <laughs> yeah, three, three man cl- three man crew, and it's clicky already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I think uh, speaking of clicks within the crew, one of my favorite parts of the entire thing is Joe taking a free action in the middle of combat <laughs> to tell Silas that he did a good job and call him his boy. Yep. And how excited Silas got about it. <laughs> well, see, the thing is, like, I one of the one of the best things to me about the second half was how Silas worked through his uh his hesitancy about trying to yeah. use spells on like other living creatures. And I like that it was verbalized between like Jim and Jesse. And you were explaining like why or why he wouldn't do it. Like the first time you said he wouldn't do it because I was in the way. Well, like, yeah, I was in the way. And mm-hmm. then the second time you kind of justified it with a slightly different reason, but I really, really liked that you talked it out. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's kind of like a, I don't know. It was almost, I mean, it was Jesse and I talking it out, me talking it out, but it also could be justified as like Silas going through these thoughts in his head at the same time, you know, like, right. will he, won't he, you know, kill this goblin? Right. Yeah. Well, I think that kind of goes back to um, what I was saying about handcuffs. And that's why I left it into the podcast is I think there is a bad stigma Mm-hmm. And if this is the way that you play D and D and the way that you have fun doing it, there's nothing wrong with it. But I do think there is a stigma in D and D of I am a spellcaster, but I have this tragic thing that happened in my background. So a hundred percent of the time, I don't want to do this, and that's mm-hmm. not true to life. And that's like what I was kind of trying to get across to you guys, like on and off mic is everybody's going to act differently at different points in Mm -hmm. time. And obviously Silas is a little bit sheltered and stuff like that. But I think there's like a big difference between Silas not wanting to cast a spell on a, uh, for lack of better terms, because I think he's a dwarf, but a like humanoid Mm -hmm. guard and who's just doing their job. Cause in reality, like Nico probably is a little bit of a villain in, 
uh, Silas's backstory yes. because we talked about how Nico's the one that escorted them out of town, mm-hmm. but Nico's a guard. Like that's his job. If it wasn't Nico, it was going to be somebody else. So I'm sure Silas holds some resentment towards him, mm-hmm. but he is just a person doing a job. Whereas there is nothing that can prepare you or your emotions for dying, waking up in a prison, mm-hmm. getting assaulted by like, goblins and evil creatures and stuff like that there is no person that's going to be like i'm not going to defend myself in this scenario like yeah if you said like uh you know silas doesn't want to attack so he's going to turn and run Mm -hmm. that could have worked you know but like sticking around in combat and maybe like using a crossbow or something like that would just be using the rules of DD against yourself right Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm I don't know. I just thought the, uh, I guess to put it in layman's terms, I actually just to kind of put it out how I wrote it down. I just said that like the moral dilemma and the player dilemma was presented really well. And it made me that much more invested in the background. Yeah. I mean, I basically kept it in because I thought it was funny that Jimmy asked me if I could edit it out. And I told him, <laughs> no, I'm lazy. Um, so that was the main reason I left it in, but I thought it was also an important moment going forward of kind of setting you guys up for success in having that knowledge that like, that's the way that I as a DM thinks Mm -hmm. and setting the listeners up with what they can expect. Because again, I don't ever want, I don't want us to miss out on fun things for the podcast or just for playing the game in general, because we think we shouldn't do something. And if there needs to be a discussion about it, if it's something that's like, Joe's like, I think it would be fun to decapitate this gnome and like (laughs) use his head as a hat. Like, yeah, maybe we should stop and talk about that. But (laughs) Joe, yeah, I think we should talk about this. (laughs) Yeah, I guess we should. But, uh, (laughs) but, um, but yeah, I think, I don't think we should ever not do something. We, we should never not do something because we think it's the wrong thing to do. We should not do something because we decide that it's, not the tone we want or it's not the way your character right. truly would act. Yeah, Jim. Okay, guys. Get <laughs> stop berating me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just kick me off the podcast. Um, on the verge, man. On the verge. <laughs> I will say just real quick because we will have to start wrapping up pretty soon. But one of my favorite things about this entire thing, and it's very generic because this is Dungeons and Dragons, but going into that first uh, fight... I thought was so fun Mm -hmm. because there was all this build and it's almost like for a lack of better terms, because I can't think of one right now. It was almost D and D blue balls of, we spent like (laughs) two hours doing these death scenes and stuff like that. And then when I said roll initiative, it was like a new energy had been breathed into Mm -hmm. the room and everyone was like, Oh yeah, time to fight. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think it brought in like, all right, we're here. We're, we're doing this. You know what I mean? Like the death scenes didn't quite feel like episode one yet, but the second we rolled an initiative, I was like, we're here. We're mm-hmm. like, agreed. We're there. So I think there's a moment in when you guys are first waking up and everyone's really cautiously investigating what's going on. And I think if I had to pinpoint it, it would probably be Silas trying to figure out if the Bagman, who we haven't even talked about, and Bagman's one of my favorite things because yeah. it just becomes a, a, it's one of my favorite things because it becomes a running joke. 
B, it's one of the first times, and I know you were all under the gun and stuff, but there was like a solid point of time when you were investigating stuff. It's one of the only times in D&D that I, as a DM or as a player, haven't done or heard somebody immediately try to unmask somebody who's masked and can't defend themselves. And so I thought that was fun that nobody even, it didn't even get brought up. It didn't get edited didn't out. Cross it, our minds, no. it wasn't me prompting you guys not to fuck with him. Like nobody tried to unmask him, but there's a moment where Jim is trying to figure out if they're a man or a woman <laughs> rolls in that one or like a three or something. <laughs> yep. And I think he rolled like a three and then uh, tried to investigate more and rolled in that one or something. I can't remember now, but at that moment, Lorkin in the first moment I've ever seen Zach try to get us back on track, <laughs> Lorcan goes, oh, he, he says something along the lines of like, okay, guys, I hear people coming, so we should act really inconspicuous. And then Silas chimes in with, does anyone know if this is a man or a woman? And Lorcan immediately abandons all rationality, and he's like, oh, let me check. <laughs> just immediately jumps off. And I think that, is when we started playing D and D. Like yeah. I think that is when the dynamic started to like turn up, and I don't know about started you. to come together. I don't know about you guys, but like I felt like that was a Lorcan move to make. Mm -hmm. Like, like all right, let's get back on track. Oh look, let's do this. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, and something just, shiny. Like it, I don't know, it felt it wasn't on purpose because that's just how I am too. But it, it, it I don't know, it felt felt good for the character still it, i wrote that too, too actually like that yeah. thing that jesse just said i wrote that down mm -hmm. it's pretty yeah. good it, it's way too early to talk about because we know literally nothing about him but does anybody have any theories as to like the bag man like anything about him so i don't have a theory but i have no. a question Ooh. jesse Shoot. yeah Je bag man was almost left in hell what would have happened if I hadn't picked him up? Can you there say? Was never a part, there was never a part of my mind where Bagman didn't make it out of hell. <laughs> but just the split second of thinking about it, knowing who Bagman is, the trajectory of the first half of this story would be significantly different in an equally as fun way. <laughs> if you guys just forgot them. Completely then... derailed the first or the second <laughs> episode. Just, oh my God. Yeah, like, it, it, again, it would have been something that we could have worked with and it would have been very fun. Mm -hmm. And once you find out who Bagman is, you'll obviously get why it would be so mm -hmm. funny slash impactful to the story. But like it would have been great. Like there was a 30 second interval where you're all getting ready to go through the portal. And it's when Lorcan has so much bravado because he just had that like interaction. He just killed mm -hmm. a bunch of people. He can cast spells. He cast magic missile. He's like, come on, guys, we got to go through the portal. And there's like a 30 second <laughs> interval where you guys talk to each other and then start going to the portal. And then finally Wolf's like, I'm going to pick up Bagman. I'm like, okay, there it is. <laughs> uh, so touching on the pit fiend, just really quick. When the pit fiend appeared, were they pretending to be unconscious? Was it just me that was up? Yeah, it was just you and mm -hmm. you were struggling against your chains, which I wrote down as one of my favorite moments because I love when, 
I love the realism of Lorcan and Silas going to play unconscious and Wolf being like, I'm going to just try to break out guys. Like, I don't <laughs> want to know what's happening. And it, it I love works. the reaction of Zach and Jim in the background of, Oh no, <laughs> but, like, <laughs> but it kind of worked perfectly mm-hmm. because like the pit fiend showed up and was just like doing rounds pretty much. And so like seeing Wolf up and trying to break his bonds and things like that just worked perfectly in the narrative of like stop fucking around in there. Right. It works out too because like, I mean, Lorcan and Silas aren't like adventurers, not saying Wolf is like a full blown adventurer, but he's probably the most like adventure warrior type of all of our characters as right. opposed to, you know, like Lorcan and Silas, one's a professor and one's a sheltered kid who just <laughs> hides in his room and plays yeah. fantasy poker. <laughs> I feel like Wolf has a lot more street smarts and instinct mm-hmm. than Silas and Lorcan. So in a situation like that, where like Silas and Lorcan maybe think that playing dead is a way better way of doing it because it might be safer. Mm-hmm. Wolf's instant mindset is no i need to at least like be able to defend myself or something like right i think it's going to be a very interesting dynamic because all three of our characters are sheltered in some way and it's going to be Mm -hmm. interesting to see how that plays out in like big decisions down the line because there's all going to be a potential i guess for lack of a better term like a potential miss in logic because of like the peculiar quirks of everyone but it's going to be interesting to see how that Mm -hmm. plays it is very interesting because like as D players like joe and zach probably have similar experience in playing and me and jim are probably similar in Mm -hmm. having like the most experience in playing but jim's character is built to the point where making big decisions and stuff like that down the line like i'm sure he'll have a voice and stuff like that but his character is built in a way that like jimmy's not really cut out to be a leader like silas isn't Mm -mm. there to be a leader and Lorcan and Wolf kind of fall into this role of like, which one of them is going to take charge? Because Lorcan did it a couple times and Wolf did it a couple times in this first episode. And so it'll be interesting going forward to see if it ends up being like, because usually in D&D, somebody gets looked at as the leader and more often than not, it's more of a meta thing where it's, who has the most experience, who knows like what's going on. Mm-hmm. But right. here already we're kind of falling into a dynamic of these characters, not knowing what's going on. So nobody's a leader. Mm-hmm. And it's actually kind of fun that there's not this like relying on somebody who you think has answers. Mm-hmm. I right. agree with that. No, I like that. Um, I guess just shortly, I'll say one of my last favorite things. We could all do like the- a last, like, um, like lightning round, maybe like question or yeah. Like if there's thing. anything that was mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. If you guys have any questions too, I would love to field questions. Yeah, because I I, um, I I have one more question after. So, but go first. Sure, I'll just say this super quick um, because as far as I can remember, I'm sure I missed a million things that I'll be sad about later. <laughs> um, but one of my favorite things was the interaction with the leader of the lesser goblins. Mm-hmm. I guess the like jacked one the interactions that you guys had when he tried to grandstand and uh, say that he just wanted Bagman and you guys could leave. I loved um, Silas just <laughs> pretending like he's going to mm-hmm. go for it. And then the 
like moment where he like kills him and it's like the lesser goblin being like no my best friend my buddy <laughs> and jimmy's like no don't say no. that <laughs> i think i tried to pat him out from being on fire at one point yeah something like that but that, that i thought that was a really funny part and i thought it really helped close out that fight because i was kind of disappointed with the fight at first mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they kept missing mm-hmm. and i could not roll to save my life <laughs> And we had the quick moment of like Joe getting schooled by the little <laughs> ripped goblin. Mm-hmm. But I feel like them missing every single time kind of made the entire feel of the beginning different because I wanted it to feel very high stakes. And I think that the fight actually made it feel lower stakes at the end. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad that it ended in a comedic way. Because then it made the lower stakes make sense, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And like, that actually, yeah. that was kind of my question you led right into it, was I was going to ask, did you expect the fight to be harder for us? Because I do feel like we kind of just... Steamrolled it? Cakewalked through it. Yeah, I mean... We also used, you did. We used spell slots right at the beginning Yeah, as well. I mean, I'm not naming uh, any MVPs, but I mean, I took out seven goblins. Yeah, I was going to say, you took out seven at once. Dude, <laughs> I, I cast magic fucking missiles. that's true and and wolf carried bad first man. day first fucking day <laughs> magic missile man what a yeah guy. like i it's such a crapshoot man because there's a world like i know these area of effect spells and stuff like mm-hmm. that because like we ran into it in the testing we did when you dm'd and mm-hmm. i played because i had some area of effect things that wiped <laughs> out an entire combat for you payback but like There's so, it's such a Mm crapshoot because there's a world where you guys can't roll to save your lives and you have to rely on Zach's magic missiles. Or, or, yeah, and I mean, I think to decide on how many were grouped together, you had me roll a D8. Like, there's a world where I rolled a 1. Yeah, and you rolled a 7. Yeah, or if, you know, if I had rolled a 1, then, like, that's a waste of a first level spell. I mean... To kill one goblin, I mean, that's not a waste, I guess, but... I think we hit a lot of luck. Mm-hmm. for sure mm-hmm. like it almost worked out the way i wanted because i did want to introduce the cleave rule early mm-hmm. because i think that's an important thing for people to know going into it is that that cleave rule is an effect is in effect you know i wish i wish there was more damage done yeah, I, was saying, I don't I wish i gotta hurt you i didn't take nobody any took damage. damage no nobody did. nobody did no i think my pride took a pretty pretty big hit though <laughs> <laughs> i think one more quick because mine was kind of a two-parter my biggest regret part of that was i think not regret i guess um the like player in me like if if we were playing a home game like or maybe not even playing a home game but like the scheming part of me wishes that like oh i taken the goblin hostage so we could ask it questions figure out where we were things like that you know so that would have been fucking wild if you guys tried to smuggle a goblin through the portal that's what i mean like there's a whole different world where that happens and like looking back at it i'm like man we could have gotten some great information from it but i would have tried so hard to have that (laughs) goblin get away because i would love for a goblin to just wreak havoc on the world because you guys brought him back oh god (laughs) uh joe you got anything any last i have a bunch of questions but i'm only gonna do one well i guess it's okay you could save the rest for next time yeah it's a a kind of a mixture of like send it in our group chat because i'm curious well so the, the one that i'm gonna ask 
So you mentioned that there was other black pillars with similar prisons in the landscape. And you also mentioned that there yes. were some that were like, looked like they were broken into. Were there people in all those and have they escaped? You didn't see anybody else other than the people you interacted with. Mm-hmm. And there is, without giving anything away, um, I think I specifically worded it as they are, you can view it in two different ways. Mm -hmm. but I described them as unfinished cages. So there is a world where either they have already been broken into or broken out of, or they are being constructed currently. Right. So like that's up to everyone's interpretation and stuff like that. I don't remember if the champions had mentioned anything about something like there are some here too. I don't remember for sure, but I feel like, Maybe some of the champions wording kind of hinted that there was others like in there or maybe like there were, but there were definitely hints at there was something to the effect of not leaving other souls again and like they got them too and stuff like that. So that was, yeah. So like, cause when you originally pointed out our landscape, that's like one of the things that caught my attention was like the other similar, like towers in the distance as to like something similar to like that would be that we were on mm-hmm. essentially so i was very curious about that no that's something that was purposely left vague so <laughs> it's um a good thing to wonder about but that's the uh only because I, I think all the other questions i got are like probably information i can't know yet or that we can't read <laughs> okay it. fair enough um does anybody have anything last minute that they want to say before we close out Ooh, yes i was reading my notes and Lorcan when Lorcan forgot torbera's name like 30 seconds after meeting her <laughs> oh, it's just like, a little a, bit of zach a, shining through yeah i was gonna say a it's perfect Lorcan and b it's perfect zach like yeah. that made, Thanks, i man. also really i love that he misheard me but it also was perfect mm-hmm. because i say you learned her name and he goes i certainly did forget her name oh man all right well we're gonna wrap this one up here um thank you all for tuning into the first beyond the roll hopefully you guys liked this uh two things a send us any suggestions that you have of things like ways we can make this more interesting. If there's a format that you could follow a little bit better, obviously we want this to be a little bit looser of a listening experience, but we'd love to hear your suggestions and stuff like that. Um, Second is the fact that I would like to introduce a recurring thing if there's interest in it for the end of Beyond the Rolls. And I would love to answer fan questions and we're going to pick one per Beyond the Roll, I think is the plan as of right now. That way we can because there is plans down the road to maybe do some question and answer episodes and stuff like that, get some information on us or on the campaign, a little bit of a mix of the two. But yeah, I thought it would be a fun way of answering some things off and on, and it would make the beyond the role feel a little bit more special, maybe be a little bit more exciting things of that nature. So um, the last behind the scenes. Yes. Send us some questions. Anything you want to know, it doesn't have to specifically be about D and D. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna say the session that we're on, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, fuck it. If you want to know what Joe's favorite milkshake at Denny's is, hit him up. Like, <laughs> oh, well, I want to know. Well, Joe, what's I your favorite milkshake? What, what is your favorite milkshake? Uh, kind of put me on the spot here, but uh, chocolate, I guess. 
Oh. Yeah, don't say the wrong thing or we'll never get that sweet Denny sponsorship. <laughs> it goes um, back to being unprepared again. I think uh, something we'll work on in the future, Joe. Right. Yeah. Okay, can I, can I say something but, um, really quick? Now that we talked about Denny's, I got to bring this up. It's like, okay, so I went to Denny's for like a year straight and I got I ordered the same Sunday every time for a year straight and it never came out right except for once. Like there's you know, a Denny sponsorship right there. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so Bangor, Maine, step your Denny's game up. <laughs> and I, w- I was a witness to this because I went with Joe, I would say probably 80% of those times because it was when we were working together right down the road. <laughs> and he's not lying. It would either, and it wasn't a complicated order. And I'm not saying that like they weren't busy there and that mistakes don't happen because obviously they do. But for over a year straight, it was either the wrong kind of ice cream. There'd be a completely random topping. One time he got an entirely different dessert that wasn't a Sunday. <laughs> he got like some form of a lava cake or something. And it worked out sweet for me because there were a couple times that Joe didn't like what he was given. So I ended up getting the majority oh, yeah. of it. But And I just want to say, also I never sun. complained about it because I'm a bitch and I'll just take it and I'll eat it or try to eat it. And if not, I'll pay for it anyway because I'd understand they got more important stuff to do than listen to me complain. So I never complained about mm-hmm. it. Also, but, if you're listening to the podcast and work at Denny's, we love you and just yes, keep listening. Yes, we do. So. Oh, yeah. If you want to sponsor us, Denny's, you're more than welcome to. And I'll well, just that specific person that works at Denny's. Like, if you want to sponsor us too, that's fine. Yeah, you know, <laughs> if anybody from Bangor, Maine, Denny's has an issue with this podcast, please email Zach Ledford. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, anyways, um, the only other thing that I wanted to say is as like the final behind the scenes little glimpse, um, we will probably record the next Beyond the Roll before we release all this because we're trying to do a little bit of bulk recording. So we probably won't start the question for maybe at the very least another beyond the role, but it could be two or three. Um, but definitely start sending your questions in and we will, you know, pop in and start answering them when we can. And other than that, does anybody have anything to add in here? Uh, thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening. Yeah. Hey, don't copy me. Uh, gotta do it. <laughs> um, Zach's the only yeah. one who didn't say it. Nope. Yeah. Zach doesn't care if people listen. <laughs> He's just I'm along just... for the ride. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm prepared. He's thinking you know. about Torbera. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sweet Torbera. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you everybody for joining us. Um, this was a lot of fun. Hopefully we kind of fall into our rhythm here and get a li- little bit better of a setup. Uh, Jim, you look like you want to say something or have to pee. Uh, no, just finish your thing. And then I want to, before you stop recording, I want to say something. Okay. So that way you can edit it out. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Thank you all for joining us very much for Beyond the Roll. We will see you next time when we start Chapter 2. And you guys are in for a very interesting chapter, I think. We didn't even get to talk to it very much. But you're going to learn all kinds of fun things like who it was you met when you went through the portal. And maybe a little bit more. We'll see what happens. But... Tune in for that. Until then, I'm Jesse. Thank you so much for joining, and we will see you all next time. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. See you later.
So I had an idea. Um, Deuces. Bye. Uh, so I had an idea. Um, Au revoir. Uh, ciao. Konnichiwa. Uh, bon vacance. Okay. Um, Peace. My kid's yelling, so. Um, oh, fuck, no, I forgot what I was going to say.